This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. So Shag... You're here to help me through my aversion to horror movies by working through Wikipedia plot synopses. I'm, I'm very grateful. The reason I'm grateful is that the fact I can't watch horror movies because I am perfectly designed to be perfectly adapted never to see a horror movie, as we've said before, uh, faint because of blood, hate dramatic tension, uh, spooked out generally. Um, the reason I'm grateful is that the fact I can't watch scary movies doesn't mean... I'm not interested in them. I'm fascinated by horror movies. I used to go to the video shop and go read the plot synopses on the back, spook myself out and go hire Die Hard. I'm so glad you said that, Peach, because number one, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I, like a lot of Australians can't deal with spiders. And because of that, like I, like I'm not arachnophobic or anything, but I'm very scared of them. And for that reason, I think I know everything you can possibly know about (laughs) spiders. I've spent hours researching them, looking at videos of them because I'm so scared of them. So I get that. But the other thing is that classic memory of looking at the back of videos or DVDs, reading them, looking at the covers, like, you know, just starting to like, like get yourself used to that um i think leads quite nicely into the one we're going to talk about today but before i talk about that Mm. i want to ask because we're on to our third synopsis now we're on to our third episode and i got the feeling while you were listening to saw and talking about it you started to get into the i guess the mindset that one does when they're enjoying a scary movie which is sort of treating it like it's a bit of goofy fun did you feel that did you oh, have man. that vibe like i like i've been on an emotional roller coaster so far hereditary i was properly upset and i left that nervy about and just then um i went to the toilet spoilers at here at fbi on one spooky night only and walked through an empty car Mm. And then walk through an empty but but I feel like into an empty toilet and what was I scared of I wasn't scared of a trap where I've got to eat my own brain to value my brain <laughs> or whatever it is to eat my own brain to value my brain is the best criticism of Saw I've ever heard in my life anyway keep going. I was worried that fucking Tony Collette was going to spider creep up the side of the wall that's what really spooked me. The out. bit where she kills herself in front of her son, oh, levitating yeah, while fuck. naked old people watch on, is pretty spooker. I mean, when it comes to the title of this uh, podcast, which shout out to Adele who helped yes, me come up with Adele. it, uh, I think Spooko just really, you know, sums up those moments where you're like, this isn't cool. What's what I'm watching here or thinking about or enjoying at this moment is not a cool thing. I don't want to get too sidetracked, right? I'm so glad you brought up Adele. Um, <laughs> Adele is a very important person in your life. She's an important person in my life. And this is a complete footnote, 90 degree twist. 
So yep. this would work very well in a Saw movie. Spooko, classic. It's a, <laughs> it flashback. a flashback. Flashback. By the way. <laughs> like they were doing the Spooko podcast, but then, but just so you know. So I read the Harry Potter books to the kids at night, really, really enjoy it. And um, a couple of years ago, J.K. Rowling has decided to rewrite um, her own books using Twitter to make them more woke than they were in the first place. So she was like, oh, by the way, Dumbledore's gay. And it's like, yeah, okay. And then um, she was like, by the way, um, I said Hermione had dark curly hair or black curly hair. I never said she was white. Eyebrow raise which was meant to lead us all to say, oh, J.K. Rowling tricked us into having a black character. Oh, she's so woke. Isn't she the best? And so on, I think it's page 300 of um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, when Harry and Hermione are in the forest, um, there is a line about Hermione's white face. (laughs) And so I took a snap of it and I texted it to Shag to Alex and to Adele, three people who I speak to about Harry Potter about. And was like, guys, oh my gosh, lol. You know how JK Rowling's always trying to be woker than thou. Well, guess what? And so I had a very short exchange with Alex. I was like, lol, yeah. Had a nice exchange with you about it being a smoking gun. And then Adele's number called back, uh, message back. And I was like, yeah, man, you're having a nice jokey message with Adele's number. Um, And... She sort of sent on some jokes from Twitter where she's like, um, literally no one, silence. And then JK Rowling, uh, Harry's firebolt is bi-curious and Dobby has a 10-inch penis. Like, which is a funny joke. And so we exchange this exchange and Shaggy, you can see there's, you know, yep, yeah, JK Rowling has some nerve. Yeah, this. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, here we go, JK Rowling. Um, and then we have one that says... Um, hey, just double check this number because I think you've been sending texts to the wrong person. <laughs> and so <laughs> I thought I was exchanging texts with the dog. I don't know. I never found That's out. Such a great twist! <laughs> what a twist! This is Saw Nine. Wait, 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 wait! Love you, Dale. Look forward to talking about Harry Potter, my bro. Anyway, so back to Spooko. Back to Spooko. Back to Spooko. Although I did well, love I didn't that like twist. Thinking it. about Tony Collette, though, I must say I'm now a bit upset. So I want to take you to probably one of the reasons why you don't have like you don't have a great um tolerance for scary movies now which is you know the great heyday of 80s scary movies which seemed you know like as a kid to me and i know this as well seemed like they must be the scariest things ever and i couldn't even deal with the ideas but when you actually watch them a goofy as hell now one of the things you put on your list was freddy three yes why the third one so as i say i I'm never going to watch a scary movie because they're too scary, but I sort of find them fascinating from a distance. And so my understanding is that the first Freddy, um, first Friday the 13th is quite an interesting, exciting movie um, in that it's not purely um, grim and violent. It has a genuine sort of comedic manic streak through it because Freddy Krueger is a little bit of a different baddie, a little bit jokier, a little bit sillier and sort of a little bit, not quite warmer, but a little bit more approachable than a sort of faceless killing machine who just kills people. Um, and my understanding is that that um, 
creative playfulness in the filmmakers reached its height with the third film that I think was called Dream Warriors, where my understanding is that Freddy's modus operandi, in short, is... I'm sorry if this is trite to all you horror movie cool guys. Sorry for being a loser who's never seen any horror movies. But my understanding is basically the same as the Simpsons episode with um, Willie getting dream powers. Essentially, Freddy goes into your dreams. He can control your dreams. He can kill you in your dreams. And if you die in your dreams, you die in real life. Matrix style. Now, my understanding is that in Dream Warriors, um, it's not only visually quite interesting... But it also has some of the dreamers the power to go in there and fight Freddy, Freddy Powers, and it's quite a high-concept, interesting sort of campy movie. And I thought, if I'm trying to be J.K. Rowling-style woker than now about horror movies, I don't just want your granddad's, uh, your granddad's Friday the 13th one or Nightmare on Elm Street one. I want to know what the real fans really appreciate. And I suspect it's Dream Warriors. Shag, what? am I telling myself nonsense? Well, no, no. I, I think a lot of what you said rings true. Mm. Um, you've clearly done your research, mm. as one does. From a distance, <laughs> a long way away. I mean, the coolest thing about a visually interesting film is how well that comes out in the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're going to do. But you know what I want to do, though? Yeah. Because... 80s trailers aren't my favorite trailers. Okay. Like, so instead of, instead of showing you the trailer for Dream Warriors, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to show you the final scene of the first Freddy Krueger, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, which is a very famous jump scare. I'm easy, like, I know I said at the start of this podcast I, we weren't ever going to watch anything. I'm just going to show you, like, I'm telling you, level of I'm telling now. you, there's a jump scare in it, so you can prepare oh, for it. There's a jump scare in everyone. That yeah, doesn't count as a but warning. This, I just, I just want to get because I think this final scene really gets you used to what the Freddy Krueger, what the Nightmare on Elm Street films are all about. So I think you hit the nail on the head in the fact that he's not a faceless killer. He has a lot of personality. And as the movies go on, he cracks a lot of jokes. It's like, ha, 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 knife to see you. It's like shit like that. And it's dumb stuff like that. And you're right. As the films go on, like it's more and more crazy. The other thing that's a big part of the films is the fact that there's, there's this weird overlap between waking life and dream life. And, that you know, so really you, you can't, causes dread some, for me. S- sometimes That's scary. It's, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell what's going on. But also, they're very 80s. Like, they were shot on film, and that film has clearly not been transferred <laughs> in the best way. So the films don't look amazing. The effects are really hokey. They're, you know, like, they're not realistic. So I think this final scene of the first one will set you up to hear all about the third. So, Peach, are you ready? Ready to see an actual oh, shit. I thought uncut we went, I scene. thought this was the point of Spooko. The point of Spooko is to get you ready Gosh. to deal with watching an actual scary movie. I'll make you this deal. You and I are currently currently having an argument about whether we're going to get it all smashed out on one spooky night only. Shag, let's get it all smashed on one spooky night only and I'll watch this jump scare. All right. We'll go deep. The very hokey end to the very first Nightmare on Elm Street, in which uh, very it's a, it's quite a famous scene in like horror movie history, yeah. in which you think everything's okay, but then you realise they're still in a dream, and Freddy's hand reaches out from the door <laughs> and pulls the main character through the window of through this tiny Man, window of the, the door. Is that the main character? She's like forty five years old. Yeah, but like it's the eighties. It's like that's, is she a teenager? Yeah, she's meant to be a teenager. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That's... I thought she was the mom. No, 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 no. She's really... I'm sorry. I'm being terribly judgmental. Sorry, I'm no. not being very rowling woke. Peach, it was a different time. And also, you know, when you look back at teenagers from the 80s and you're like, wow, you looked old. Because they have the haircuts of people who were yes, teenagers. Yes, dated you know haircuts, I mean? literally. That's what happens. Shag, thanks yeah. for that insight. This is exciting. Anyway, Man, so, like, I'm having fun. So let's talk. Luca. Let's talk. Let's talk about this. So yeah. we're gonna do a Nightmare on Elm Street Three Dream Warriors again. It's that same story where made for five million dollars, which of course in the eighties was a hundred billion dollars, <laughs> <laughs> but made forty four point eight million dollars. So crazy return on Sick. investment, right? Um, um, and this is the third film in the series. Now, uh, Patricia Arquette, a young Patricia Arquette, a young Larry Fishburne's also in this film. Don't know that is. And of course, uh, Robert England is um, Who's, um, Robert Freddy Krueger. Um, Larry Fishburne? Larry. Lawrence? Yes, yes. So for some reason, he's credited as Larry Fishburne in this, but it is Lawrence. So it's oh, a young Lawrence sick. Fishburne, a young Patricia Arquette are all in this film and Robert England playing uh, uh, the the main character, Freddy, from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. So uh, plot centers around Freddy Krueger, who seeks to murder the remaining children of the parents who burned him to death. So that happens. We what find out... Like, what is Freddy? What's his vibe? Like, so, he, is there a specific event he's trying to avenge? Yeah, or? so he is a local child killer because I think in the 80s, you know, every town has like a... So sort of a ghost vibe. Like, he was a person. He was a person. He's not the god of... He was a person. Being a jerk. No, 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 no. He was a person. He was like the local boogeyman. He was the local child killer. The parents are like, we've had enough of this guy killing our kids. <laughs> Forget this. <laughs> Someone yeah. needs to put this. This is really, oh, this is really starting to. <laughs> so they organize together and I think they go and burn him somewhere. So Sick. the idea is that they burn him alive. And while they're burning him alive, he's like, I will come to kill all of your children in their dreams, right? So. Oh, that's deeply upsetting. It's pretty, it's not the coolest thing. Oh, why so, does he get magical super? I, I don't think it's a hundred. I mean, maybe it is explained, and I just oh, couldn't be bothered gosh, looking this up right now. Really but yeah, so he, I think he goes to like hell, and like because he's in hell, he can make a uh, deal. Spawn or style. Yeah. Yep, I get it. He's spawn. So that's his thing. So he wants to just kill all the kids of the parents who burnt, yeah, Freddy, man. you know, he, the original Freddy Krueger to death. Um, so anyway, so that's his whole thing, and he like, and they're all these kids still alive, and he's like, well, I can't leave man, them I alive. Kill the shit out of these kids. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not very fun. Oh, I don't know. Meanwhile, meanwhile, these kids who are still alive have been committed to a mental hospital where Nancy Thompson, whose parents helped to kill Freddy Krueger, works. So Freddy does not know that Nancy is training the kids to control their dreams in order to fight him. So that's what's going on, right? Yeah, okay. So clearly, clearly some shit goes down in the second that we've missed. But yeah. basically, there are some kids who Freddy wants to kill, but he doesn't realize that they're being trained to fight Freddy in their dreams. Sick. Why does this uh, this this woman have the uh, wherewithal to train children to fight dream monsters? So I believe Nancy Thompson is from the first film. So, so she's, she's the one that's out. worked it out. She knows what's going on. Sick. Um, anyway, in 1987, a yep. year after the events of the previous film, which so we Freddy don't know about, so Freddie Krueger's Agent Smith actually is what we're really getting, <laughs> what, like what we're really getting to. 
I think that's where we are. And she's like Morpheusing Neo. So so Lawrence Fishburne's not playing the Morpheus role. He's actually playing the Neo role. Yeah, I'm there. This is awesome. Dreams of the Matrix, Waking Life is Real Life. I'm there. Okay. So a year after the events of the previous film, which we don't know what happened, but Six. RIP a few kids, presumably. Kristen Parker dreams herself into an abandoned house on Elm Street where she's chased by serial killer Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. She wakes up goes to the bathroom and is attacked by Freddy again who slices her wrist with a straight razor. Her mother believes that she's... While she's awake. While she's awake, which is a bit spooky, right? That is spooky. That is a bit spooky. I guess Agent Smith comes out of the Matrix in the second one. He does. Okay. He does. It's a bad CGI. Um, uh, (laughs) So her mother believes that she's suicidal Mm. and sends her to Western Hospital, which is run by Dr. Neil Gordon. So we're throwing a lot of names at you at the start. Just just put them all into your brain. Um, At the hospital, Kristen fights against the orderlies who try to sedate her because she's afraid of falling asleep. So all these orderlies are like, this suicidal girl just needs a bit of a sleep. This woman is terrified of sleep, just (laughs) needs a bit of sleep. (laughs) So the intern therapist, Nancy Thompson, calms her down and earns her trust by reciting part of Freddie's nursery rhyme. Now, this is super important because... In the first film, we realise there's a bit of a nursery rhyme that the kids in the town know. Heard it, heard it with a jump it's scare like, vibe. One, Fred, two, Freddy's Fred coming for Fred, you. Yeah, three, three four, four, better lock your door. Five, six, da 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 da. Because it's like, eventually you got to fall asleep, right? So eventually Freddy's going to kill you. So you can do everything you can, but eventually Freddy's going to get to you in your dreams and kill you that's, in some horrific that's way. That's profoundly upsetting. Mm, mm. So anyway, Nancy is introduced to the rest of the patients. Philip, a habitual sleepwalker. Kincaid, a tough kid from the streets who Sick. is prone to violence. Is that Lawrence Fishburne? That's almost definitely what it is. Oh, the from 80s. the streets is the most racist <laughs> phrase. <laughs> this is gross. J.K. Rowling, all of J.K. Rowling's characters. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer, a hopeful television actress. This is a real cornucopia. Yeah. She's probably black too, sounds like. <laughs> Will, who is confined to a wheelchair after a suicide attempt. Taryn, a former drug addict. And Joey, who is too traumatized to speak. Later, Kristen is again attacked in her dreams by Freddy and she unwittingly pulls Nancy into her dream. We don't have the movie here, so I don't know how this happens, but... I'll take it on faith. Like, now we're sort of going from Matrix style through to Inception style, where you go into someone else's dream. Yeah, like I'm kind of... But anyway, luckily, because she pulls Nancy into her dream, they're both able to escape, and Kristen reveals that she has had the ability to pull people into her dream since she was a little girl. Seems like a bit of a Look, convenient um, plot yeah, device. Cool. Yeah, this is this is cool. Don't know why Freddie didn't kill her as a young girl when she was a threat. You know, in any case. Anyway, over the next two nights, mm. Freddie throws Philip off a roof in what looks like a suicide attempt and kills Jennifer by smashing her head into a television. Oof, that's pretty upsetting. But there are just a couple of things that happen. Classic. In this, in this mental hospital. Which is probably not the coolest name for it, but it is the <laughs> 80s, so that's what we call it. It's where the kids, the cuckoo zone. <laughs> J.K. Rowling would call it the work hospital. Anyway, so so program. keep in mind that uh, Philip has been thrown off a roof and Jennifer has smashed her head into a television. R.I.P. 
But it's business as usual. It's business as usual. <laughs> <laughs> so so Oof, tough the, week. Tough week in the old Red Hospital. In their next group session, Nancy reveals to the remaining patients <laughs> the ones that are dead. Sorry. That they are the last surviving children of the people who banded together and burned Kruger to death many years ago. Nancy and Neil encourage them to try group hypnosis so that they can experience a shared dream and discover their dream powers. Oh, I'm into See, it. See, it starts Let's getting do cool, it. right? Matrix style. Upload Kung <clears throat> Fu. Upload, you know, magic powers. Let's do it. In the dream, Joey wanders off and is captured by Freddy, leaving him comatose in the real world. So that didn't work out so well for Joey. He's not dead, though. No, but he's comatose. Yeah, okay. Nancy and Neil are relieved of, of duty. Neil is told by a nun, Sister Mary Helena, that Freddie is the son of a young nun who accidentally locked in a room with hundreds of mental patients who raped her continually. Oh, that's... This is very that's upsetting. Ta- that's taken an awful turn. Sorry. Bloody hell. And that the only way to stop him is to lay his bones to rest. He and Nancy ask Nancy's father, Donald Thompson, where the bones are hidden, but he's uncooperative. Nancy rushes back yeah, to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you where the bones are, you idiot. <laughs> I love Wikipedia. <laughs> You've asked me where the bones are, and I've told you. Yeah, no. so I guess. So, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> Any other questions? Get out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <I> can't sleep. <laughs> so Nancy rushes back to the hospital, where she learns that Kristen is going to be sedated. Neil stays behind to convince Donald to help them. Oh, no, no, Wikipedia. So I thought they were on the dream. I've there's, now got to no, be. no, no, no. Yeah, so sorry. there's a lot going on. Yeah, okay, there's a lot sorry, going sorry, on. Sorry. But it is business as usual <laughs> at the hospital. We're just sedating patients. Yeah, it's like, let's just sedate them. We're it's... finding out horrible things from nuns who just happen to be yeah. here. Was it the nun who was raped by hundreds of uh, no, mental patients? No, it was the mother of Freddie who was. Mother of Freddie. Oh. It was locked in a room. Awesome. Which I think is a pretty not cool thing to talk about people who have mental illness. To be like, lock a nun in a room with 100 people with mental illness and guess what's going to happen. Well, it's just generally upsetting. There's a lot of awful things that happen in the 80s that we will at some point need to address. We will fix them with this podcast. We're doing it. Anyway, anyway, so Nancy and the others engage in group hypnosis to reunite with Kristen, but are all separated by Freddie. Taryn and Will are killed by Freddy, while Kristen, Chris, Nancy, and Kincaid like, find one What are their dream up. powers? Like, are they lightning well, powers? Well, or... we just... I don't think... Like, okay, yeah. yeah. Wikipedia, sorry. Ah, uh, it's sick, 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 sick. Uh, The trio rescue Joey, but are unable to defeat Freddy but beca- because he has become too powerful. So, they no, do have some powers, but Freddy's also more powerful now. I just, I'm just going to take that at face value. It's a classic escalation of <laughs> things. So it's like, you know, it'd be, it'd be a boring movie if they found powers and just were able to kill Freddy. Is this the rule of like there's only a finite amount of kung fu or whatever it is? There's only so much kung fu in the world on each side and that if you've got 100 people versus one person, does this make, am I making this up? If I just pulled this out of nowhere? No, I, I'm with you. I'm, li- I'm listening to you. Go on, go on the rule of kung fu fighting in films and I might be getting this a thousand percent wrong but I think I'm half halfway there <laughs> I'm loving this segue keep is going is that there's a finite amount of kung fu okay which is why one person with one kung fu unit can potentially defeat 100 people because they share between them 
one kung fu unit. Uh, so each side only ever has the same amount of kung so fu. So it doesn't matter if it's one against a million. That's right. They both are one yeah. kung fu each. Yeah, they both have the same amount of kung fu to apply gotcha. to the battle. Anyway. So it's the same vibe. So it's like if a whole bunch of people gain dream powers, dream powers they yep. just have a dream power. Yep. And Freddy in Freddy's his like, own... like, man, i got the same amount of dream powers. He's like, I'm, what do you want? I'm cool. And yep. it's been three movies. I'm super powerful now. Yeah, man. Which they don't really... There's Yeah, they don't heaps go into what's going on and even though like the nun knows some terrible stuff about his history doesn't really but I love that the nun's like go get his bones and bury them she's not like I tell you what I'm a grown up I'm not confined to a cuckoo asylum or whatever they refer to why don't I go get the bones why hasn't she done it already yeah exactly why why are they like let's leave it for a while give it a couple years let's leave it three movies (laughs) give it a couple years this thing might sort itself out yeah like we we really should get those but in fact no you're right look let's go get the bones (laughs) (laughs) anyway anyway so Mm. uh, he's become too powerful Freddy senses that his remains have been found he takes possession of his own skeleton and kills Donald and incapacitates Neil who've been gone to find the bones right so he's a skeleton form now who's killed one person and knocked someone else out Freddy returns to his dream to attack the others but Joey uses his dream power voice to send him away so Joey's got a voice sick voice powers that he can send people away Donald tells Nancy that he is crossing over but he is revealed to be Freddy in disguise he stabs Nancy and prepares to kill Kristen when Nancy rises up and stabs him with his own glove. Neil awakens and pushes Kruger's bones in a hole and douses them with holy water before dropping in the prayer cross. This seemingly destroys Freddy. Nancy succumbs to her wounds and dies. R.I.P. R.I.P. Freddy, right? Yeah. So there's a bit of an epilogue. At Nancy's funeral, Neil sees Sister Mary Helena again and follows her. He loses sight of her but finds a tombstone that reveals her to be Amanda Kruger, Freddy's mother. That night, he goes to sleep with an Elm Street house miniature on his nightstand. He does not notice its lights turn on. I've got a lot of questions because <laughs> I've got. I, I will admit I've seen the original Freddy Krueger. I've seen some of the weird '90s films. I didn't see the whole, so I haven't seen that film okay. myself. Doesn't seem too spooko. Like I'm like I'm like yeah, let's go watch that. I think I think the spookoness and what's kind of cool about you know introducing you to films this way mm. is that I think there's lots of spooko elements that are hidden beneath the very cold text of Wikipedia. So, for example, when it says, Taryn and Will are killed by Freddy, as like, you know, six or seven Uh, words, that's probably a very spooko moment. But in Wikipedia, it's half a sentence. Yeah. So that lets you get through the story and lets you get used to, like, the themes and, the you know, I guess the story beats of horror movies. This is going to work. I think it's going to work, Paige. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?